Hey, Broadway people. We are back for another exciting round of some Broadway breakdown for you. We are going to be discussing the humans today, so come and join along with us. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. On the 4th of July, This is a traditional Irish song for our Irish play today. Hi, everybody. My name is Brianna Phipps. I will be your host for tonight. You can find me everywhere, bphipps14, Twitter and Instagram, bphipps1214, Snapchat. Um, I am joined here by my lovely, lovely host today. Uh, 123JackieB on all platforms. And um, my Snapchat is JackieB123, just to make things difficult. Yeah, you know, we like to be different sometimes. (laughs) Um, Like I said, we are discussing a... It's not an Irish-Irish play, but they are Irish in the play. We're discussing The Humans today. It was the most award-winning play from the Tony Awards. Straight um, play. Straight. Well, musical is what I will say. Yeah. I don't know why, but I grew up... We grew up... Not that plays are particularly, like... when I don't know. The term straight seems weird when, <laughs> when you're an adult, but when I was a kid, it would be a straight play or a musical. Makes sense. Um, for the of you that do not know this play very well or at all, it is... Basically, a dysfunctional family getting together for Thanksgiving dinner at their daughter's new house with her boyfriend. Um, we'll go into it a little more, but before we do, I want to talk to you about some Broadway news in our new segment that we have. And this news is going to be brought to us by Robert Diamond and BroadwayWorld.com. Um, so first up in the platform is we have Christian Chenoweth, Kevin McKidd, Christopher Seabird, Jennifer Holiday leading, um, they did a private reading of The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Which, if you haven't heard the music or you haven't seen the movie, go look it up. Uh, Dolly Parton plays the role that Kristen Chenoweth did in this staged reading. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I think it's hilarious. Although it's, we did tell her about funny. the Harold and Kumar reference and she didn't get it. Yeah, don't watch Harold and Kumar. <laughs> um, and... They did this on June 29th, and I know, Jackie, you said you were excited because you were hoping that this means that the revival is in the works. Right. I, I hope that this means that there's a revival that involves Kristen Chenoweth and Jennifer Holliday. Um, Not the men, though. <laughs> well, I mean, especially... You like, the Scottish Kevin, men to be part of Well, it. Kevin McKidd, I had to look him up, and I was like, oh, he's one of those Mick Handsomes or whatever no, it is no. from... He's not um, Mick anything on... Oh, he's not? No. Okay, because he's on Grey's Anatomy. He's on Grey's Anatomy. But there's he's only not, two mix, though. Oh, there's only two See, this is the thing. I've only seen, like, two episodes of Grey's Anatomy, so I don't... I was like, okay, that doesn't he's really do it He's also in, I believe, How to Train Your Dragon. Anyway. <laughs> Which I have also not seen. Um, so. Yeah, so ho- hopefully that means that you get what your wish is. I get a Broadway revival. revival. Uh, so s- let's move it along, because we don't have a ton of, ton of time. Uh... Anastasia. Anastasia is being made. We This has been known for a while, but uh, they've added some people to the list. We have Christy Alt. I'm so Alt- excited. Yeah, they did actually, they did a, um, they've done a production in Hartford, Connecticut that was very popular. Yeah. So they're just. And all these people that um, are coming back, they just announced that all these people, Christy Altimore, Derek Klena, John Bolton, and Carolyn O'Connor, they're all going to reprise their roles for, for Broadway. the Broadway show. I'm really excited because that was that was like one of my favorite kids movies in the 90s. And I really I always get so annoyed though cuz people always consider it Disney and I'm like it's not Disney. It's not Disney. They didn't no. do it. Disney. No. I feel like it would have been a much different movie if Disney did it. Like not to say a better movie. It was just different. There would have been less 
I think of the like adult humor and less of the like scary. Yeah, I stuff. think probably. It's it's hard to say too, and it's it's hard to say why Disney didn't do that because they they did Pocahontas in such a special way. <laughs> I mean, po- I mean, I'm not to knock on Pocahontas, but you don't want to see some famine to it's like in the wildly historically inaccurate to the point where like Pocahontas would would have been like a 14 year old, and in this one she's got like big boobs and looks like she's like damn near 30. So I don't know. I think you know. Well, anyway, if you want to check out this new show and you're in New York area, you're going to be in the New York area in April of next year. It opens April 24th, 2017. Um, It will include songs from the original movie. It'll also have its own original score. Um, And the tickets will go on sale in the fall, so keep a lookout for them. Uh, We also, next up is Hamilton has now officially been preserved with the original cast. It is. It has been filmed. Yes, and it is the original cast. Jonathan Groff came back, which is what I was hoping for. So I'm really happy about that. And they did that on um, June 28th. So if you were at that show, that is the show that has been filmed and will be hopefully part of that. Yeah, I was thinking. Hopefully, part of it will be part of the PBS special. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that's why they were doing it. And then also to possibly maybe one day, hopefully, put it up on the yeah. and then because it would be I, I mean as much as people might not like um I guess filmed performances they have sold filmed performances on like at back in the day on VHS I mean, yeah, or whatever Cats you know was one of the ones that I had growing up that was I the remember into film. the woods they yes and then um it wasn't necessarily it was a film performance but it, um Mary Martin and Peter Pan mm-hmm. they also did a Peter Pan with um um I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, the girl that, the gymnast. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. I don't now. know. I watched the Mary <laughs> Martin one, so that's I watched why both, I'm... but I, I saw her in person, which is why it's making me mad that I can't remember. Because I know people are always want to say, okay, well, we want to make a true movie, you know, where you're using, like, movie sets and... Um... I know, but I feel like it's better to watch when it's just actually the theater play. I, when... I actually really, like, I actually really enjoy it when it's a theater play. Because then even, you're, just, you're more, it or even if they more. make it like a theater play, like uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. If you've never seen that movie with Donny Osmond, it's amazing. And by amazing, I mean there are fake sheep and fake Ishmaelites and all kinds of like, like very stagey staging choices that have been made. Um, which I, it's, I find it's Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, isn't it? Cheesy yeah. as is, yeah, without. it's cheesy as it is. <laughs> And it's got Donny Osmond. What more could you want? Not that I'm comparing that to Hamilton in any way, shape, or form. So we also have Tracy Thomas, Brandon Aronowitz, Betsy Wolf, and more are going to be joining the new revival of Falsettos. Um, this play will also, it also has Stephanie J. Block, Christian Borrell, who I love, and Andrew Reynolds, who I also love. It's starring Andrew Reynolds and Christian Borrell. Which... It'll go into previews in September, and I think it actually opens in the end of October. Mm-hmm. It does. And Deke Sharon, who did Pitch Perfect and um, that the new cartoon movie Sing Along or the Sing Off. Uh, so it's a two. Did the vocal? What happened was, is I, I guess they originally it was originally like three one act plays, and they took the latter two and put them together to make falsettos. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead to a couple. I'm sorry, guys. That was stupid of me. 
Oh, I was talking about with falsettos. The, I, with the Deke Sharon. That's not for this one. Oh, okay. I I'm was talking sorry. about falsettos. Yeah, so the it was originally a 3-1 axe, and then they're taking the other, the latter two, the last two, um, and they put them together, and that's what made the musical falsettos, and it's about the AIDS crisis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know too much about this musical. I haven't heard anything from it uh, as of recent, but I'm excited that they're going to do this revival and with these people, because... I'll probably listen to it now. And I've listened to it, but I've never seen it, so it, sh- it should be interesting. Um, so what I was saying before, which I got For ahead in of transit my notes... In Transit was the other one. Is In Transit, which is an acapella musical, is coming to Broadway with the uh, people, this fall. That's yes. what threw me off was this It's fall. the people from Pitch Perfect, and or someone from uh, Pitch Perfect. and Well, Deke Sharon, he's not in it. He just helped he, with the vocal arrangements, right. and he helped with Pitch Perfect and the, the sing-along, that new the new cartoon movie with the gorilla, I think, is that one. I don't know about the cartoon, no. but I do know that. Or the same uh, And then um, and Kristen Anderson-Lopez, who, who wrote Frozen. Frozen. And also it's going to be directed Frozen. by Kathleen Marshall. It's a, it's about 11 people on a subway, 11 New Yorkers on a subway, and their goings-on. I, I like the idea of acapella, acapella. as a musical. It's gonna You're going to have to have really, really strong singers, I feel like, to be able to just do it without any help. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's hard enough. I mean, I couldn't do it uh, to even have just one note and start off. I can nothing. imagine. I can imagine though that that it's not going to. I mean, maybe I'm getting my words, but I can imagine where it would be not entirely acapella, where they have to give notes here and there. You know? I mean, it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. So that's coming um, this fall as well. Too random extra note on my behalf. Uh, I saw this play last night, The Spitfire Grill. I it's a musical. Um, it's playing at the Palisades right now. Even if you don't, you're not local and you want to look up the music. I really liked the music, so I recommend checking it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is our news for the day. And like I said, that was brought to you by BroadwayWorld.com. You can go on their website, find more stories, or read more about these ones. Um, so let's get right back into why we're here, which is the humans. Uh, the humans was the most awarded play of the season, which we both found a little confused surprising to us. I thought it was going to be eclipsed. It, yeah, we both thought it was going to be eclipsed, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. And that's also having said, like, this is based on not having seen the plays, knowing the subject matter, but not having yeah. read those plays either. So it's like, I still, I'm still ordering from Amazon, even though it's like, they're on back order for some of these plays. I'm still ordering them to read them, but I, I think... You get more of a perspective once you've read it or watched yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's understand. hard when you're just hearing news about it and then when you've actually read the material yourself or seen it, which is harder for us on the West Coast, especially with plays. Right. They don't go touring as much as the musicals do. Um, it won Best Play. It won Best Featured Actor. It won uh, Best Featured Actress. And Best, best Scenic scene design. design. And then it was nominated for Lighting and Best Direction. And this um, this play is by Stephen Karam. Right. Um, who's known for writing dark comedies, and this definitely is a dark comedy, because when you first are reading it, you think, at least I thought, you know, this is very, you know, just casual, everyday, yeah, they have some issues, yeah, there's, like, these jokes going on, but there's nothing that special until you get to the end, and then I'm like, oh, And I I don't know, maybe reading it... um... Also, this play has, like, continuous action that's going on. So it's, if you don't know, it's a two-part set. So you have, you're you're in an apartment building in New York, a basement-level apartment building, where they they basically took two old apartments and made it a kind of a split-level apartment. And so 
they have the the bedroom and the bathroom and an entrance on the second level and then the basement is like the kitchen and the table where they're eating Thanksgiving dinner. And so there's action that is written in the script as like split action. Yeah. So you they have, wanted your eyes to be able to wander to whichever room you kind of wanted to wander to, even if it's not where the dialogue is happening at the moment. Which I, and sometimes, sometimes the dialogue is happening like boom, 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 you'll have some upstairs and some downstairs. There's a lot of overlapping dialogue in this. Right, which to me, I guess like I was more, when I was reading it, I was more paying attention to kind of like breaking down what's happening up here, what's happening down there. And it didn't seem funny, but I guess when I finally did watch some clips online, I was like, okay, like when you put in the physical... I, not physical comedy like Marx Brothers, but like physical comedy as far as like their facial expressions or the way they're saying certain things. Um, it starts to give you more context as to how this can be funny. Whereas I was reading it and I was like, this is getting really bleak really fast. <laughs> um, and just to go on, we have a person shot roll that we did tweet out that this was going to be 1776 originally. We unfortunately had to push some things around. We really wanted to pay homage to the best or most Tony Awarded play because we did the most Tony Awarded musical. And I do apologize for that. We will be doing it eventually, just not at the moment. Um, so back into the play. Uh, we have these themes that go in the play, and fear is the main one. And it's written in the script like that they have all these different outlying fears. We have poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of love of someone, old age and death. They also, I mean, another theme is when you read the intro, it's the uncanny, which is, um, for us, like, uncanny seems like it would be, like, beyond normal or inexplicable, where you're like, he has an uncanny ability to memorize lines, Mm -hmm. you know, but psychologically, um, uncanny has kind of a different context. Um, Freud called it the, like, a, a strangely familiar and rather mysterious kind of feeling. So I, um, and they have a blurb on it. If you read the script, they have a blurb in, in the entrance kind of explaining the notion of uncanny. And I thought it was, it was like this, you're watching this and it does as far as like Brianna, both Brianna and I both said, we felt like we could relate to this. And it's, it's, if you're a middle-class American, I want to specify that it's, like, not going to be relatable on all kinds of levels, but if you're, like, a middle-class American, I feel that it is, like, strangely relatable. I mean, I think the family dynamic can be relatable to anyone, because even in the play, like, there's hints, you know, that her boyfriend, um, uh, is, Richard is more well-off than they are, and has been his whole life. You know, he's a trust fund baby, and I just, you know... They have the whole thing with the religion, with the parents and the daughters don't have the religion, which I think is so prominent in our culture today. I know in my my family. I mean, we have to say that we're both, we both come from Irish Catholic families. We do. So, uh, well, my, I was actually raised Protestant though. My, my grandfather is Irish Catholic though. My mom's side of the family is Irish Catholic. So, uh, as you can tell by my last name, my dad's side of the family is not. But my mom's side of the family is Irish Catholic, and so I think when you have someone like that in your family, which there are a lot of Irish Catholic people in America, it's just... Especially on the East Coast. Yeah, there are a lot of them. So I think that having it set in New York with an Irish Catholic family, you're going to get a lot of people who who feel like I relate to that experience, and, who, who have had yeah, the... And you all definitely, especially with the Irish Catholic families, the, is religion is so important to them. Um, so with our generation, I know it's with my mom even and dad 
it's weird for them that me and my sister don't really go to church. And I had to kind of, like, explain it to her and stuff, but it is, like, this whole thing of, like, oh, well, you don't have religion, so I feel like I did something wrong, or you're not going to get everything that you need to get out of life because you don't have this thing that you need to have. I I mean, I feel, branching off of that, the idea... um, Hi, Elia, who joined us. Um, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. But um, I I do feel there's also, in, in Irish Catholic families, and this is not just actually not just Catholic families in general, they have this sense of like the totems mm-hmm. that come with them, like the Mary statues or, or, um, different religious medallions. Like, um, I feel like if we walk into her parents' house, like with her mom being who she is or their mom being who she is, uh, she's that house that has all those little sayings from the Bible yep. imprinted on little pieces of paper and framed and yep. on the like pillows yeah <laughs> like it's just a it's covered from head to toe like that's the feel you get from her mom yeah and you can relate I mean I guess like people who come from those backgrounds can relate to that sense of like guilt and the sense of the parents like well if you put these little like Mary tchotchkes up they'll they'll help you like spiritually somehow and you're like oh gosh okay um it- and, like, we both said, like, you know, reading this playthrough, especially with these parts and stuff, it didn't seem that funny. But then when you watch, like, they have a couple clips that they had filmed uh, on YouTube that it's not, and it's not illegal clips, they're actual clips, but um, the deliverance of the lines, that's what brings the comedy. And and I think some of the situations, too, because, like, there's there's humor in in the everyday, there's humor in the mundane, and you have this situation where like the bathroom doesn't seem to flush very well and they're all mentioning oh like I stank up the bathroom you know like things that your family member would say and would be funny yeah and um there's like this whole situation where the light bulb goes out and like it turns out that the parents have brought like you know all these all these extra like provisional care packages yeah care package lights and and things like that and I'm like I I thought the lighting was actually really interesting with reading it because when they're having a really deep conversation, the two daughters in the um, the top part, the lights go out. Mm-hmm. And then all the lights are in the bottom. And then at the end of the play, there's like a lot going on and everyone's kind of, they don't know what to do. And there's all this stuff that's being brought to the light and every light goes off. So I thought that was also, I don't know. I thought the way they use the lighting from reading it was very interesting and cool yeah I did think it was cool too I thought the idea of continuous action on the set was cool as well I always love it when I mean this is a a 90 minute play where the actors are doing continuous work they're like if they're off stage it's because they quote unquote went to the hallway to go downstage so literally those actors are they never stop working Mm -hmm. um so what's what's fascinating to me is like this is a real challenge as an actor. Is like you have to be continually on. There's no like you don't get a break. You don't get a break. There's no moment of okay, like this person gets to go off in the wings and chill. Yeah, um, let's talk about the actors a little bit because we haven't really introduced the characters yet. Um, I think thematically though, I just want to say this: like them- thematically, having the actors not have a break, you kind of feel like it's like a symbol for the middle class not having a break of like. They're, you know, you have these parents who are, who are, should probably be retired by now, but are still working because they don't have any savings, which is a a very real problem that they've, that, um, the current political candidates are trying to address. So I, I feel like having it as continuous action, you get that feeling that it's like the actors are, are doing that hard work that 
like the middle class Americans are are doing their whole lives. Um. Yeah. <laughs> just and let's um. Just a so this play uh, is for those who don't know it that well is broken down by five characters. We have uh, Amy and Bridget, who are the two daughters. We have Eric and Deidre, or six, sorry, six characters. Eric and Deidre, who are the parents. Uh, we have Momo, who's the their grandma. grandmother. She's Eric's mom. Who, who has Alzheimer's and is in very, very bad condition. And then we also have Bridget's boyfriend, Richard, who she's moving in with. And this is where all the religious stuff comes in. Is basically with um, Bridget and Richard are living in sin because they're not married married and they're living together and they've moved in into this place and he is much he's i he's think 30, at least 10 years older he's than she is 38 yeah he's it doesn't really tell you what age she is we just know she's graduated from college so we can assume she's in her 20s right it seems like he's a he's about 10 years older yeah than i mean they make is. constant jokes about the age difference about how he's closer to more or could be closer to her parents' age, because they're 61. And they say that he's going to get his trust fund at 40, 40, and he's been, apparently, he's been going back to school for social work, I think it was, mm-hmm. social work. And yeah, he then, wants to be a social worker. He wants to be a social worker. And then she seems to be struggling. She went to some music cons- music conservatory school, and she seems to be struggling with the job mm-hmm. um, in that respect. And I thought um, Stephen Karam said this was semi-autobiographical, as I think most writers do that you know if you're drawing from something you've got to draw a little bit from your own yeah. experience even if you're not setting them in the exact place you grew up which uh, this family is from pennsylvania so is he um i think y- you still have to draw the emotions from somewhere and so it seems to me like he's making um he's he's got this comparison to his own life where you have people who are struggling struggling artists come from middle-class families trying to make it in the big city, which um, I feel like I felt like that was something I could relate to where your parents come and they're like, you moved out here for this. Like you live in this like shitty apartment now. And, and I can hear the people stomping upstairs. And I could relate to, and not necessarily even my parents, but like living in a place where you're trying to almost convince yourself. Cause that's what I feel like Bridget and Richard are doing. They're trying to convince themselves like, Oh no, this is a great place. Look right. at all the space we have. So you're trying to convince yourself. And then people come in from the outside and are pointing out what's bad. And you're like, just stop. I'm tr- it's hard enough right. that I'm living here. Just please, please let me be delusional. Right. Exactly. And there, I mean, she, and it's like she's also saying, kind of implies that she could have gotten, they could have helped her out, you know. It's this, this Which, sense that your parents are criticizing you, but you're like, but you didn't help me, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah, and it, and she, they are not in the She's really to help tough her. on her mom, though. Like, to a point where it's like her older sister, who you think would be the one the parents would be more on because she's a lesbian, and if the religious thing is a factor in that, then they should be against which her, her entire lifestyle. But they're more hard on Bridget, and it's constantly, I feel, like Amy's job to go back and forth. Well, the the other, the older daughter is a lawyer, so I think there's an implication there that, like, if you're, if you're a lawyer, which, like, if you're in the middle class, having a doctor or a lawyer in the family is, like, a big deal. So it's like, well, she's a lawyer. It doesn't matter what she is. She's a lawyer. You know, yeah. I, I get, I, I feel like that's... That's the implication. And also, Stephen Karam is gay, so I don't know... So is Joe Montella, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, and he directed this play Yeah, that well. I don't know for sure, but at least, at, you know, there's this implication that it's... There's there's probably some other 
like um, autobiographical thing going on with that as well. I just love that every character had something that they were dealing with. Like Amy had the fact that she has this, uh, what, what is it called? The cola, colon. It sounded like she has. It was something like some sort of something akin to Crohn's disease, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, like, and I then, can't remember what it was called exactly. But from the way she described it, it sounded like it was something akin to Crohn's yeah. disease. And this disease is basically ruining her life. Like she she's lost a relationship because of it. She's losing her job because of it. Um, and so she and. She's going to have to have surgery where she'll eventually poop out of her stomach. <laughs> um, uh, we have Eric, who... I'm more laughing, but it's like that's part of the humor I, that comes into it because I, I think, like, there, there are... I can think of many times in my own family where people say, like, you know, something that's really morbidly true, but it's, like, still funny. Oh, yeah, when my grandpa, when my grandpa had it. surgery and he had his colonoscopy bag, like, he would just be like, oh, yeah, and this is where my poop is. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Grandpa. That's that's lovely. Can you cover that back up with the blanket now? Right. Um, but we also have uh, we have Eric, and he's dealing with you know he we know all throughout the play that there's something happening mm-hmm. because there's constant little conversations that you're not hearing or you're hearing little parts of between him and Deidre, um, and he hasn't been sleeping, and he's being visited by this faceless woman in his dreams, and uh, then we have Deidre, and he's having trauma from being in uh, him and. Um, Alice, Alice, the older daughter, uh, Amy, Amy, him and Amy, I'm sorry, I don't, I didn't write that down in my script, uh, Eric and Amy were in New York on September 11th and she was there for a job interview. So I think like the implication is part of this nightmare is coming from a, a September 11th nightmare where people were covered in dust and yeah. Um, and then we have Deidre who is, Dealing with, I don't want to give too much away in case people want to see it, but um, I don't know if we should give away really. The I ending. don't want to give away too much because yeah. I really, I, I really, I think, I hope people uh, will watch this and will be encouraged to mm-hmm. read it or see it. And I don't want to give too much away either. Like I feel like this is one of those things where probably everybody hasn't seen it, and I would really, I would really love for people to, yeah, to figure it out. So, so I will say that she's dealing with something with her husband. I mean, that's obvious. Like I said throughout the play, um, and she's going to Weight Watchers, so she's been dealing with her weight, and it's brought up, they, it, she's trying, but she's, she slips, you know, she's human, like the play says, yeah. and people just are making fun of her, like, oh, well, you eat, you bought those blueberry donuts, oh, well, you know which one she wants, and I don't know if this is true of all families, but at least in my family, um, shout out to my mom, who gets picked on a lot in my family, not, not, not for weight, like, but she, my mom does stuff and we all just pick on her, even though like if any one of us did those things, we wouldn't get picked on as much. I don't know what it is if it's like something to do with the fact that like she she has such a good nature about it or, you know, moms are an easy target. I don't know. Like, I don't know what See, that I is. feel like in my family, it's everyone gets a little bit picked on, but I feel like I'm kind of a little bit more so. Because I'm a little, I, sometimes I just, I'm a little bit dumb. I say like, <laughs> I say things before I think about it and then I realize I said it wrong. <laughs> Um, as you guys will come to notice, I'm sure, if you haven't already. But let us um, know if you think, if there's that, let us know who is that one person in your family that you feel like people probably pick on the most. And not in a mean way, like, I feel like they're, part of it is loving, because part of it, they, they are worried about her health, and then part of it is, um, is, like, her good-natured reaction to mm-hmm. it, you know, that she seems to be laughing in on the joke. Yeah, but you can tell that also yeah. she's that it hurts, hurts her too because she knows 
she knows she cheats on her diet. She knows she's not doing what she can do to lose the weight. But but it's funny because you have some instances where, like, almost like one of the daughters might get picked on or something, and they lash right back. They're like, nah, uh, 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 uh. So y- Which would not, like, it would happen in my family, but if it did, like, especially around, like, my dad or, like, someone of the high-up standards, like, we would get shot down right away. Like, oh, you're saying that about your mother? Like, if we were being mean like they were being in this play towards their mother. Like, it would not happen. It would not fly. Yeah, let us know. Let us know if you, like, if in your family dynamic, you're the one who's picked on, or if you think someone, or if you think this is just, like, ridiculous and no one would be picked on whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, some families, maybe that is what happens. I don't know. I I mean, I just felt this was relatable um, to a lot of people because these people, they have a lot of things wrong with them. Um, You know, everybody's, everybody's family has something going on. Um, the, the grandmother is like very, very ill. She's, um, got Alzheimer's. She's muttering nonsense and she has episodes. Um, the, the parents, um, the dad lost his job. The mom is saying how she had, um, this job for many, many years and like younger kids are coming in and and getting like a better position. Yeah. They're her bosses. Yeah. And I feel like all all of this is very, like, it's very relatable to multiple generations and what we're struggling with in America today, which is kind of this, like, dwindling of the, of the, of the prosperity of the middle class. Well, and this is why I think it did win the Tony Awards, is because it is so relatable, because it has this dialogue that everyone can understand and have a connection with. And, you know, like I said, it's this play where, like, all throughout it, it just seems kind of like this normal family dynamic, and then at the end, it's just, like, a a wave hits your house, and it's chaos. So, I mean, I, I haven't read the other plays, but I would, I would see this play based off of reading it, and I wouldn't have before based off of just the short little description of it's a family eating Thanksgiving dinner together. And I like, you know what else I, I like about this play is that the play is not um, August Osage County, you know, it's not like the family descends into chaos and they're like yelling and beating the crap out of each other, like, or slapping each other, not beating the crap out of each other. But like, it's, you're not like, oh my gosh, like, like shit just got real. Like shit is getting real throughout the whole play, but it's a very real kind of real. And I know that sounds kind of like redundant, but when you're watching it, you feel more, I think, like it could be your family because there, there's no episode in there where, where there's like a heightened reality or something that people couldn't like insert themselves into. There's no like... And at the end of it, everyone still is trying to love each other. Yeah. They still are trying to see the best in each other even though this chaos has ensued. Right. And it's not, and I I mean, when we say chaos, I, again, like, I don't want to imply that there's some sort of, like, slapping or even, like, yelling or, or, like, Yeah, it's just, we're just, we just don't want to give away the ending, so we're Yeah, I don't want to give away the ending, but at the same time, it's like, it, it feels too close to home. And Some parts of it, yeah. And I think that's why, I think, I do think that's why this play won the Tony, although I still want to read the other plays because... Sometimes, as a viewer, I think we do need to see plays like that that hit close to home as viewers to kind of learn about ourselves and our society. But sometimes you're just like, man, this is so close to home. I wish I could spend like an hour somewhere else. And um, and I think 
for me, like, by the end, I'm sure people have that feeling where they're like, they're like, wow, this is so close to home. And like, or they like immediately have to pick up a phone and call someone like their daughter or son or parents yeah. and be like, I love you, by the way. Yeah. Um, it also got nominated for a Pulitzer. I feel like we should say something. Yeah. And so did uh, his other play. Um... Uh, yes. The Sons of the Prophet. He is Lebanese-American, or one side of his family is Lebanese-American, one side is Irish-American. So the Sons of the Prophet is a Lebanese-American family this story, and then this one's Irish-American. And I, I think it's interesting that the two that were most heavily autobiographical were nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, which I think drawing on... And he's very young. I mean, at least looking-wise. I don't actually know. I didn't look up his actual age, but from the photos I saw of him, he's very young-looking. So to have accomplished this much, even if he is even in his 30s or even early 40s, is a lot. Right. And I think, I, I mean, I think that um, when when you draw on your own experiences, people come to see that kind of truth and they appreciate it. Um, so I don't know, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about um, before we end this up? Not really, no, no. But you should come check out our next show, which is about Xanadu. Yeah, guys, next week we'll be discussing the movie musical Xanadu. Jackie, unfortunately, will not be here with us next week, I believe. No, I won't. She's out of town, but she'll be with us in spirit. She'll be dancing with her James headband James Jr. will be here. He's fabulous. So. And maybe some others. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but like we said, you can buy the human script. Uh, it's available on Amazon, uh, Nook, and Barnes & Noble, pretty much probably almost any bookstore that you go to. I couldn't find one on Kindle for it, um, but it is on Nook. So if you have one of those, you can get it there. Uh, it's like $11. It's really cheap. Scripts are fairly cheap. So well. it, I, it's a fun script to read. It's, it's relatable, and it might make you want to just go to New York and see the play. It's, if it, is it still on? Actually. I don't actually know. I don't actually know, guys, running. if it's still running. I'm but sorry, if it's not still running, if it does look... Anything, or if you see it come to a local theater, I think it's worth going to see. Um, I could definitely see because of the because of the kind of like everyday manness, everyday personness going on in this play. I could definitely see it being big in a couple of years in like community theaters, where um, where a big hit in community theaters if they can get the rights to it. Yeah, so if it comes to your town, I definitely would go check it out. You know, it's it's worth um, the ticket fee, I think, which probably, especially for community theater, would be very low. Um, and it's definitely worth reading. And it, let us know let us know if you're interested in other plays to hear us talk about. Tweet at us. Um, message us in the comments. Let us know. Yeah, because it's, it's definitely going to be very much easier for us to talk about musicals and stuff. Like, those are, I think, easier to pop up and easier to just, like, think about. Um, so we love reading plays. So if you know of one that maybe we haven't heard of even, let us know because we would love to read it. Maybe it'll appear on our show. So, um, like I said, we will be back next week. I'll be here discussing Xanadu. I'll have some special guests with us. James Lott Jr. will be one of them. Um, if not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you can always find me bfibs14 on Twitter and Instagram, bfibs1214 Snapchat. And Jackie, uh, where can they find you? I'm 123JackieB, Twitter, Instagram. My website's 123JackieB.com. And then uh, Snapchat, I'm JackieB123, just to be difficult. All right, guys, come join us next week, or we'll be talking, as we said again, Xanadu. And come join us every Sunday. And have a good rest of your week. Happy 4th of July.
Uh, we're trying to end our show, but no one's home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. Live performances, this is people. What live, this is what live podcasting is all about. Thank you, too. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.